Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello. Happy Tuesday, you guys. How are you doing? The beginning of the week, the end of the year. How's it going? Can you believe we officially have only almost 30 days left in this year? Yikes. That is crazy. We have just over a month left in 2020 then we will hopefully be on to bigger and better things oh my goodness what a week it has been already i feel like yesterday moved so fast for me (sighs) mondays but it is thanksgiving week here for our american listeners and so for a lot of us it's a short week thank goodness we don't have to you know do the whole week. Big sigh of relief. All right, you guys. What are you doing for the holidays? This year is so weird and people have such strong feelings. I've been just taking a poll of what everyone's doing. And, you know, it feels to me like everyone's kind of doing their own thing and that that's all we can do at this point. You have to make decisions that are best for you and your family, taken into individual accounts like your mental health, and who your family members are. Do you have a family member that hasn't seen anyone since the beginning of the pandemic? You know, is it healthy to keep that person alone during the holidays when they've been alone so long this whole time? You have to think about this could be your last holidays with people and your first holidays for people, and I think everyone's family are you know, doing their own thing and and taking their own precautions on what makes them feel comfortable navigating this really unchartered territories. Obviously, it's recommended that you don't travel and don't get together with people who aren't in your quarantine bubble already or people you, you know, are, are kind of in your pod, if you will. But I hear you. This year's really hard and this sucks. It really sucks. It's nice to remember that it's temporary and that I think there's a horizon in front of us that we will be coming up on soon. So hang in there, you guys. 
there is light at the end of the tunnel and I think it's about to start shining right down on us. All right, speaking of light at the end of the tunnel, sometimes when you are preparing for your birth, it can seem so overwhelming. It can seem like you have so much to do. You have so many places to go. You have so much information to seek out. There's so many places to get information and you don't necessarily know how to differentiate the ones that are trustworthy, the ones that are evidence-based, the ones that are honest and truthful, or the ones that are super biased. One of my favorite ways to get birth information is to just ask people who've had a baby before. It doesn't always mean that what they're going to tell you is evidence-based, but it does mean that it's a very real possibility and it's a very real thing that happens in birth because whoever you asked, obviously, their story happened to them. I always tell people to be careful when you're going to Facebook, um, you know, and make sure you're filtering what you're consuming from Facebook. But mom groups are one of the best places to browse, obviously, with a filter, your own filter on your own brain. Um, and know, knowing when to walk away when things get too much, too heavy, too intense. But scouring mom groups, birth groups specifically, for stories both empowering and stories that didn't go so well can be a wonderful place to start to educate yourself on all of the possibilities that can happen in labor. Of course, again, reiterating, with filters, make sure you're not traumatizing yourself and make sure you're not going down rabbit holes that you're not ready to go down or you're not ready to receive or you're not educated enough on to walk that path so that you can receive that information in a way that's not scary. There are definite foundations that you should lay before you dive into just any old birth story. Another really great place to get both sides of the spectrum is the birth hour podcast um Bryn Hunt Palmer she was actually a guest on our podcast in the very very early days I should re-air that that episode but uh Bryn Hunt Palmer does a really great job of sharing all sorts of birth stories and since they are in podcast form you get to choose what you consume and you get to choose what birth stories you listen to Okay, along those same lines, today's guest is Jacqueline Coy. Now, she's a mother and an author, but she, her book, for me, was so hmm, insightful. And I decided to have her on the show. And I think part of what made her book so insightful was she shares birth stories that actually don't always go according to plan but they all turn out happy and they're all empowering so Jacqueline actually had two daughters in less than two years and while she did that she wrote and published this book <laughs> this means that her life was full of laughs and diapers and late nights and next to no sitting still for quite a while but it also means that while she was in the thick of motherhood she was writing down all of her tips and tricks she was writing down all of the hard moments and helping you figure out how to make it easier for you born and raised in michigan she now considers herself 
a Californian. And during the brief moments between her roles as a corporate climber, mom, and wife, she enjoys sharpening her creative pencils. Jacqueline's mission is to entertain parents and children at the same time. She also has a series of children's books, Love You to Pieces, Beautiful Monster, My Mom is the Worst, Best Trip Ever, and the Smart Girl Fairy Tale series. I actually got a sneak peek at this Smart Girl Fairy Tale series, and it is fantastic. She's also the creator of the Minimal Intervention Birth Method, which is obviously why we are talking today. Now, this birth method was designed to provide evidence-based strategies and inspiring stories to help women achieve more positive birth experiences using minimal medical intervention. Hello. And the book is called Because You Are Superwoman. I'm so excited to have Jacqueline on the show today. And you guys, we are also celebrating her two-year anniversary of her book. So without further ado, Jacqueline, congratulations and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. All right. Listeners, I spent this last weekend reading uh, the book Because You Are a Superwoman. I just ordered it last week, so it's not like I've had this and I haven't like been working on it. You guys, I sat down and I literally binged the entire book. It is so good. And I think one of my favorite parts is that we really get an inside look of everyone in the book right? We get to know where they live and where they birth. And we talk about their life pre-baby and we talk about kind of who they were before baby. And we talk about their education level and what they do for a job. And we have this really whole picture of who this person is. Um, and so Jacqueline, um, before we get started, can we get the whole picture of who you are outside of being an author? Yeah, definitely. Um, Probably like many of your listeners, I'm a working mom. I've got two um, babies. I call them babies still, but they're two and four years old, two little girls. So I'm busy. Um, I work a marketing job during the day that I've been at for 10 years. And then I also write books. I just had my seventh book come out this month, um, six of which are children's book, though. So this is the only um, nonfiction book. I love that. Okay. And we'll talk about your children's book kind of at the end of the episode, because I want people to know about those as, as well. But what made you stray away from children's books and write not only a nonfiction book, but one about birth? Yeah, definitely. It seems like a little bit of an odd mix, doesn't it? So <laughs> let me um, go back to when I was pregnant with my first. So that was about four and a half years ago now. Um, you know, I, if you read the book, um, so you're, you've heard a little bit of this story, but for those that haven't, um, I was kind of one of those people that shied away from everything medical. I just kind of didn't want to know. I didn't, you know, it just, I had never really heard positive stories about birth. So it, it was in the back of my mind that it was something I had to do as a woman if I wanted to have children, but it wasn't something to be enjoyed or to look forward to. And so, when you're pregnant, um, eventually you realize that baby's coming out. And <laughs> so you start thinking about it and you're like, well, I've heard all of these things. Now, do I believe them? Do they align with my 
goals and the way I like to do things. And so I started reading um, more about birth and learning about different birth options, positive birth stories and experiences that women had had. And it was so encouraging to me that finally at 32 weeks pregnant, I switched from an OBGYN to a midwife. I was able to find a midwife in the same practice. So it was kind of the best of both worlds, it felt to me, because I could give birth in a hospital um, just because I was a little bit more comfortable with that because it was my first and I didn't know what to expect, but then be with the care of a woman who had seen birth with very minimal interventions regularly. And, you know, she knew what the body was capable of. She was there to give support. And really she had a belief that, you know, our bodies were meant to birth and she was there to be there and assist if needed, but really, you know, she let us be in the driver's seat. So that was super encouraging. And then after my first, um, positive birth experience with no interventions in the hospital. Uh, I was able to have a very similar birth two years later and with the same midwife. And after that, I just wanted to start collecting these positive birth stories to share with other women. But beyond that, um, you know, a lot of the resources that I had taken in, some of them didn't feel like they aligned with maybe uh, a non- I don't know the best way to say it, hippie, crunchy, you know, natural mama, which I'm not against that, but I can't say that I'm 100% that. So I wanted something that felt like it aligned with more women than I knew. And so to do that, like the instance I'll give is Ina May's book. It is fantastic. It is amazing. I totally encourage you to read it if you haven't, but it is about women giving birth on a farm in Tennessee. And so that's just not common for most of us. And especially if it's like, hey, I want a little less intervention in my birth, but I'm not like all the way there that, you know, I want to birth outside in a barn or something like that, you know, um, I'm just joking. But so I wanted something a little bit more in the middle to ease people into the idea, open their mind to something new. Um, and the, the My Birth Method um, gives you six specific steps to do that, to align yourself for a minimal intervention birth, because I didn't find any resources that really had a specific plan and I'm a planner. And so I wanted to outline that plan of what worked um, for me and many other women in the book. And then really the mind and the body are so connected that the second half of the book is all just birth stories of modern women who, you know, got involved in their care and learned a lot along the way and had really positive birth experiences, all a little bit different, but um, they're in that book uh, for you to get some examples of what a natural or a minimal intervention birth can look like. And the journey to get there, right? I, I think I love that the most is that we got to learn these people before they had a baby. So we already got to see kind of who they were and their philosophies and, and that journey from pre-baby to pregnancy to actually carrying out um, that birth plan. It's, it's really fantastic. Okay. So, um, I, <laughs> when I was hearing you talk about uh, the, my birth method, that is exactly how I became to be, or I came to be a doula as well is because there was a, you know, when I went to be trained as a doula, everybody around me was either already a mom and they were getting into it because they were a mom or they were hippy dippy, super crunchy. Yep. Or they were a nurse that was just taking this training because they mm -hmm. wanted some extra help. There was nobody 
that looked like me, this like girly girl who likes makeup and I like to do my hair and I sometimes wear heels and I'm sometimes in my sweats and I sometimes have a messy bun, but then sometimes I like to curl my hair. There was nobody like that. There was nobody that, you know, for me represented also my idea of pain management of, you know, I'd love to do this natural, but also I'm not opposed to an epidural. It felt like the entire room was opposed to the epidural. And I was like, but that's just not me. And so I found myself in the same space of like, wow, there's, I'm, I'm in a room full of people and still feel super lonely that I don't fit in anywhere. And so your story about reading Ina Mae Gaskin's book, um, you know, it, it, for our listeners, it's Ina Mae Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth. I have actually a couple copies. I'm looking at them right now. Um, it's a fantastic book, but I think you're right. It points out that there's a spectrum of birth and everybody who reads it, I do think it's great for people to see that that is how birth can go, but it's mm-hmm. also healthy to have the respect for, for the space that it doesn't have to be how your birth goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, you know, I went into birth and when you're a first time mom, you can have every idea in your head of what you want. You don't actually know how it's going to unfold. You don't actually know what it's going to feel like. You know, you don't know any of that, what you're in for. So, you know, I think that the way that I phrase it in the book is that the my birth method is to help you make your body plan A and reserve medical intervention for plan B as opposed to the opposite of what society typically does these days where it makes medical intervention plan A and, oh shoot, if you don't make it to the hospital in time, you made your body plan A. You know, like, I feel like that's typically the choices they act like we're given. Totally. And I think too, that so many people want to use plan A as my body and plan B as medication, but they don't know how. And there's very few resources and the resources that are available are generally Gosh, I, I, they're generally tainted by the medical industry. Unfortunately, you know, I want to say it a little bit gentler, but if you're taking a hospital-based or a hospital-sponsored childbirth education course, they're teaching you how to be a good patient. They're not teaching you how to have a birth and they're not teaching you all of your options. And I can say that confidently because I have taken between five and 10 childbirth ed classes and very rarely do they present all of your options. So yeah, totally. Okay. Did you grow up with these ideations of being able to do and have and achieve and work towards um, unmedicated labor? And I asked that because I did not, I didn't, but I also didn't grow up talking about birth. So I never actually knew what happened in birth until I had a couple friends that got pregnant. And then um, they just went in and had an epidural. And I was like, okay, well, that must be like what happens. And then, you know, there were some people who did it unmedicated. And I was like, okay, that also sounds cool. But I had no idea what it actually kind of entailed. So how, if you weren't, if you didn't, you know, grow up with these ideations, how'd you make your way through that? Was it for planning on your own birth? Yeah, you know, it it really was because I I didn't grow up in a home where it was frequently talked about, um, you know, my mom's birth stories. It wasn't just anything that we casually chatted about. And so, no, I didn't have that background. And then um, I will say that my sister-in-law at the time, she did have a hospital birth and then she had um, two home births. But back to our, our conversation about, you know, 
are you represented in this situation? And in this case, I felt no, because she and I had very different lifestyle choices. Um, and she, she was more on the like super crunchy natural side. They did things, you know, very unmainstream and, and that's fine, but that didn't feel like that wasn't authentic to me. And so I couldn't really look to that as an example. Um, so a couple of years before I got pregnant, my aunt um, in California, she and I were chatting and she actually told me that she had three natural births in the hospital. And then, you know, at the end of all of that, she told me, yeah, you could totally do that. And that to me was just like, it opened something in my head because I had never really thought about it. And it sounded weird to me, like, oh, really? I could do that without medicine, without like laying on my back, screaming in the hospital. Like I just, my mind was open to this other possibility, but I wasn't pregnant. Um, and so it just kind of sat there. And then when I did get pregnant, you know, I didn't go down that path immediately. I started in the care system, just like, you know, most women do. I went to my first appointment, um, you know, got an ultrasound, started, you know, going through the whole progression. And then, but on the side, I was always reading and taking in, um, you know, different materials. And the ones that resonated with me the most was a lot of times the more natural route. Um, and so that is when finally at 32 weeks, I reached out and found out that there was a midwife at my practice um, that could still deliver in the hospital. And so I just, you know, I reached out to my doctor and to find out if I could see her. And they said, yeah, go ahead. You can see her for your next appointment. And so I did that and it was a great fit. I felt very relaxed and supported by her. And so that was kind of, I decided then and there that we would go forward with that plan. And she never pushed me to commit to, you know, 100% natural birth or anything like that. She always acted like my options were mine, but she also would explain why things were happening. And she would explain that she fully supported, you know, birth in any position and counter pressure on your back for pain management. And she would talk through a lot of the headspace things in our appointments. So while the appointment itself would be maybe 10 minutes of what's going on with my body, it might be another 20 minutes of what's going on in my head. And looking back, I realize it's because she knew how connected your mind and body are in birth. And so that your headspace was just as important as what was going on with your body. That I think is one of my favorite parts of midwifery care and, and why, um, you know, if we, if we talk to folks or we have clients or birth lounge members that have very straightforward, standard, typical developing um, <clears throat> pregnancies and they have a question about their provider, we always recommend midwifery care. Um, I think you pointed out of I mean, we've pointed out tons of good differences and things, but one of the good differences to highlight is that midwives are the experts on unmedicated, undisturbed physiological birth. OBs are your experts on medicated, untraditional births. Untraditional meaning things may not transpire exactly like we think, right? It doesn't always mean an emergency. That's not a, at all what I mean. I just mean it may be a home birth transfer. It may be um, 
you know, that you're high risk. It may be a health condition in your past that has caused you to need OB. It may be um, you being at a higher risk for needing a C-section that would require an OB. It's also important to recommend or to recognize that your OB is a surgeon, right? They are a trained surgeon. So at the end of the day, you guys, they are looking at you through the lens of a scalpel and surgery, right? Where your midwife is not. And I don't want to paint it in a light that your OB is doing anything wrong or bad. They are not. Absolutely. This is how they are trained. You as the consumer have to know and understand the difference and be able to choose which one at the end of the day you want. I also want to point out that you don't go with a midwife and then not have access to an OB. If you are getting midwifery care in America, at least I know we have a lot of international um, listeners. So I'm speaking for the U.S., but in the U.S., if you have midwifery care, you will have access to an OB, even if you choose home birth, um, even if your, your home birth midwife doesn't even have privileges or rights or a relationship with a surrounding hospital, you will always have access to an OB. So just because you go with a midwife, please don't think that you're in danger and you won't have access to you know, surgery or an OB if you if you were to, um, to need that. But Jacqueline, what are your thoughts on midwifery versus OB since you had care from both of them? What was the feeling like when you changed and what was that primary drive to change from one to the other? Was it just your desire to have an unmedicated labor? Yeah, well, I think that it really aligns with what you were just saying about their training. Um, I actually really liked my OB. Um, you know, she was a younger woman. Uh, she had recently had children herself. Um, you know, I just she seemed like a great person. And I'm sure she is very talented at what she does um, in terms of delivering children. But I did have to think about, okay, well, I'm going for this type of birth, you know, this, I, I want a more natural birth where my body is a big part of it. And then, you know, I'm glad to have minimal interventions or any interventions as plan B. But then the more I thought about it and her training, it really didn't align with supporting that. And so just like anything else, if you were going to hire a coach for something, you'd want somebody who had done or experienced what you wanted to do in their past. And, you know, nothing against her, but she delivers babies regularly. So she has that skill, but the majority of the babies she delivers are with interventions. And um, so I needed somebody that typically saw unmedicated births and would know what was completely normal if a body was experiencing birth on its own schedule, its own way, um, and would be able to support that. And so then it ended up making my labor so much easier because as a first-time mom, I had no idea what to expect. So of course I'm nervous when I go into labor, no matter how much you prepare, you know, no matter what goals you have and, you know, whatever, you, you're still nervous because it's the unknown but I was able to kind of surrender some of the unknown um, because I was in the care and presence of a woman who had experienced birth regularly where body was plan A. And so because of that, um, you know, I could, I was still maybe a little bit fearful, but I knew that I could release my fears enough to let my body do its thing because she would, she would know if there was a, a problem. She would know if there was an issue because she had seen this so many times before and knew, you know, how the body naturally progresses. I love it. Oh my gosh. You talk about being in alignment and I talk about that 
all the time on, on our Instagram, in the birth lounge, on our Facebook, in person, with our clients, all the time. Your provider is really make it or break it, um, you guys. They, they, they really, really are. And, you know, there's a bunch of talk about, well, my provider doesn't matter because they're not likely going to be at my, at my birth. Well, so that last part is true. They are unlikely to be at your birth, statistically speaking. But the way that you feel throughout your pregnancy, the way that that provider handles the end of your pregnancy impacts your labor so much. I cannot tell you how many times a client has gone to a um, prenatal appointment at the hospital with their provider, not their provider, but gotten to see a different provider at the end of pregnancy. And that provider who doesn't know them hasn't been with them the last couple months is just reading their chart and possibly meeting them for the first time today at the end of their pregnancy, suggest something erroneous, an induction, a membrane sweep. Oh my God, a C-section. Like, oh man, has nobody told you this? I'm surprised nobody's mentioned this. There's always this, there's always something. What you need to do is call your provider. Someone who knows you, someone who's been with you for the last couple months, someone who likely you already have a plan with. Um, that I think is super important for for people to think about when it comes to finding a provider that is on, in alignment with you. It really does matter how they're going to a have your back, but also be handle things in the end of your pregnancy when you need them the most, right? And you you do have to realize that they may not be the person that you see all the time in the office. Um, and so you want a provider that is gonna be able to say like, oh, I hear what my colleague was doing, but it's okay if you wanna do what we had planned. Um, so it's, it's super important. The alignment of your provider is, is everything. Yeah, and I was so fortunate. I know this isn't always the case, but my midwife, when I met with her, she had only missed one birth in all of her years of practice. So she was, always there. And since then she's had to, her care has expanded quite a bit. And so she's had to add an additional midwife, but her track record is still incredible for being at birth. Yeah, that is awesome. Which I think is also something that, and, and many OBs have that same kind of philosophy, right? It's harder to get that with OBs only because of how our system, our medical system is set up. But right. I was going to say that's a perk of being with a, a midwife, especially a smaller practice midwife. You had mentioned she's by herself um, or used to be when you uh, when you were using her. You know, if you can get with a smaller practice of midwifery, you're likely to get so much more of a continuity of care than you might receive in a, a wider hospital system. Um, so that's important for listeners to know too. Okay, I do have a question. You mentioned you have a two-year-old and I mentioned in the intro that it is the two-year anniversary of your book. So did you have a baby and also like give birth to a book at the same time in your life? <laughs> Oh, yes. You know, we like to do it. We like to stay busy over here. Um, <laughs> no, but you know, I think that that makes this book so unique because honestly, I wrote this book with a newborn at my side because this book came out. Um, well, she was born in February, the first week of February, and this book came out in November. Um, and so this is the two year anniversary of the book. And yeah, so she was sitting there next to me. Everything was still very fresh in my mind. And again, I had two babies in less than two years. So I had a lot of knowledge um, and a lot of firsthand experience. And I wanted to do it when it was super fresh. 
and um, and so then I wrote I wrote the first half of the book, and then the second half is all birth stories that I got from other women that I worked with. So because of that structure, I was able to write it with a baby, but also I did not have to write the whole book, and I could pull in lots of perspective um, from different women for the readers. So, but most of the women in the book, there are two that had had their babies a while ago, but most of them were still right. You know, the birth was very fresh. Many of these stories, it was within the within a year of when they had given birth to when they submitted their story. So you've got a lot of great firsthand recent experience in there. You really do. And, and the way you lay things out, you're a great storyteller. And, you know, for me, which I guess I attend births all the time. So I just felt like I was in the room with them. I was like, oh my gosh, I can totally feel myself being here with them. Um, so yeah. Okay. Where did you find these ladies that were, that were willing to share their story so openly and graciously with you? Well, where do we find anything these days? The internet. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. They were all vetted. Um, some of them I knew many of them were referrals from other people that I knew. Um, but I like it because it's got people from all across, um, the country. We even have one woman that was international that shared her birth story, but it gives perspectives because care is different too in different regions um, of the United States, different regions of the world. So I wanted, you know, not just people that were really local or not just people from uh, my own midwifery care practice. You know, I could have gone there and gotten just um, different recommendations from them, but I wanted it to be a little bit more widespread. And so, yeah, getting, um, I use my website, mymomistheworst.com, um, and I had an intake form on there as well that I directed people to um, to drop their birth stories and um, then found the ones that were perfect for the book and helped them craft it into a, their story. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. Okay, Jacqueline, your book, honestly, I told you guys, I, I've now I've mentioned it a, a couple of times. I binge read this book, you guys. They it's really good. The the birth stories are amazing. I love the method. Um, I I so I had when I was reading, I had the thought like, wow, this is so just deeply informative. Like these are things that other books don't think to tell you. And it makes sense now that you had a newborn by your side and you're telling us things that other books don't tell you because you were living it. You were like, oh my God, why is nobody telling you this? I need to put this in my book. Now it makes a lot of sense hearing um, kind of how this book came about. Well, I'm so glad I did because honestly, um, two years and having a two and a four-year-old, there's so much already that you forget. Um, you told me that we might be sharing birth stories and I even have to look over their birth stories because if you don't write it down, ladies, you forget. And I will say that a wonderful tip someone gave me before I went into labor was to take a little notebook and a pen and to let either your spouse or who's ever in the room with you jot down just the time of day and just one or two sentences next to it because you really have no grasp of time uh, when you are in the middle of labor. And when you look back on that, one, it will be entertaining, but two, informative. Um, if you end up wanting to write down your own birth story, you will need those little notes. Oh my gosh, I've never thought about that, but I love it so much. And you know, one of the most special gifts I have ever seen was had a couple who had a baby and the 
father was journaling the entire time. And I thought, I never asked him what he was doing. I never disturbed him. I thought he was coping with things, right? We were rocking and rolling. His wife was doing amazing. I had her covered. Our nurses were great. The birth was doing wonderful. I thought he was in the corner journaling and coping. He had journaled about a lot of stuff throughout the pregnancy and our time together. I, it was a normal thing for me, right? Oh no, 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 no. Baby turns one year old and he presents his wife. I'm going to cry right now. It's literally the sweetest thing with this huge picture of her birth story and written in calligraphy and it hangs above their baby's um, crib, right? It is, it literally was the sweetest gift in the whole world and he wrote it out it's from his perspective it i mean yikes so he that is a tear that yeah. is uh that is yep right yep. that is That's so beautiful Okay. Oh my goodness. All right. I have cried and I cried in the book too, because the birth stories are just so good. And I'm telling you, you have a favorite. Um, it's hard to pick because they're so, they're so different. They are. I like, I like Jade's. Jade's yeah. really stuck out with me. Um, she's birth number five. I, I don't know. Jade, I felt, I was like, I could have been her doula. Like yeah. I could have been there. It's I had another baby since then. Oh, um, just, yeah, it. another another great experience. But yep, I love it. Yeah, see, so guys, really get the book, read the book. But actually, we have something super special. Jacqueline's going to give you the first uh, chapter for completely free, and we'll link that in the show notes for you guys. You can also email our team, um, tranquillitybyhehe at gmail.com to get the free link. We'll, we can send that out to you guys too. Um, but Jacqueline, Thank you so much, not only for being here, but also for sharing that first chapter, for giving us such an amazing book. This resource truly is one that is classic. It is going to last the ages. And I think, you know, we've already said this, but I really want to hone it in. This is information nobody tells you because nobody else is writing books with a, a, you know, with a newborn attached to their hip or attached to their breast or crying on their shoulder while they're typing it up, right? This is the real and the raw brand new motherhood story. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I really, really, really appreciate it. If anybody was listening and um, I, I will link how to get the book. So getting the book is not necessarily the issue, but if somebody wanted to talk to you or share something with you or just connect with you because something you said today really hit home with them, how might they go about doing that? Yeah, I would love to connect um, on Instagram and Facebook. I am over at stories by jk coy um and then my website is my mom is the worst.com that is where the chapter freebie will be and also um, all of my books can be found on amazon and barnes and noble um, under by searching jk coy so i'd love to connect and even if you just um if something in the book connected with you please please share it because um you know other women need to need to hear that. And we need to share more positive birth stories. Um, and that's a big part of the book, just having more people share their positive experiences so that we know birth can come from a place other than fear and misinformation um, that so many women, you know, that's what we've experienced in our past. So I want to help change that. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
society has this really rotten way of only sharing very negative, traumatic, horrible birth stories. And there are so many more that go right. So where are the stories? Why aren't we talking about those stories? You're right. We have to surface them. We've got to keep them circulating. And I do want to circle back because I, I said we would, but can you briefly tell us really quickly about your children's book in case anybody's listening with either an older child or obviously everyone's listening, having a baby. So you're going to have an older child at some point. What kind of children's books do you have? Yeah, I've actually got two series right now. So there's the Big Heart Little Laughs um, series, and those are for our younger readers and parents to be entertained. Um, the very first one in the bestseller is Love You to Pieces, Beautiful Monster. And then we have My Mom is the Worst and Best Trip Ever. And then the one that I'm really excited about right now is um, the Smart Girl Fairy Tale series is the newest series. And that is for a little bit older girls, um, anywhere three to nine, um, you know, for bedtime. But it is about inspiring little ones with positive messages, but all done in a fairy tale story. Um, so you were talking about how you like to get a little bit girly, but you also, you know, like to get right into the middle of things and get a little bit messy. And that's really who this series is for, girls that like to be both. And so that one, uh, Princess Winnebelle and the Pet Unicorn just came out this month um, and the other two came out earlier this year. Um, so they've all got positive messages for little girls in there and they're a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, I wish I could go back and be three to nine. So I was an avid reader growing up. Um, I still am an avid reader. I mean, obviously I binged a whole book this weekend. I um, have always loved to read, but I always have been into fairy tales too. Even as an adult, I read um, fiction and any book that can transform, you know, me into some other place, I'm digging it. So these are definitely going to be books on my future children's bookshelves. I wish you oh, could man, see this, but there's a whole map of at the front and back of the book of this fairy tale land that she lives in. So, oh, you guys, I wish you could see this. It's so good. There's mountains and houses, and oh my gosh, I love it. I love it so much. Look at that. Oh gosh. All right, listeners. Thank you so much for being here with Jacqueline and I today. We will link that free chapter for you. We will link um, how you can get the Big Heart Little Laughs in the Smart Girl Fairy Tale series um, in, into your homes, you guys. This, this was so much fun, and I cannot say it enough. Please run out and and grab, I guess not run out, please head to Amazon and get, um, because you are superwoman, go to Jacqueline's uh, website and order your own copy of this book, you guys. It really will transform the way that you think about birth, the way that you think about unmedicated labor, and the way that you approach this Hippy dippy idea. It doesn't all have to be hippy dippy. It can be something that is in alignment with you, just like your provider. You can find a happy medium between hippy dippy and epidural birth. I promise you, there is something on the spectrum for every single person. It just takes you taking the time to figure that out, to find out, to sift through what doesn't work for you so you can find what does. All right, listeners, happy Tuesday. I will see you again on Friday for another episode 
Friday free talk. Until then, please go grab your copy of Because You Are a Superwoman and catch up on any missed episodes of the Birth Launch Podcast that you have not listened to. I'll see you guys on Friday. Toodaloo. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.